through Ann. And good morning again, everybody. Good to see everybody out. Good group out this morning. Okay, let's see. Our hymn of invitation uh, will be Lord, I'm Coming Home. It's number 51. And let's see. I don't believe we've got any kids for Children's Church, so you guys are just doomed to sit and listen to me today. So, <laughs> all righty. Well, good to have everybody here. If you're logging in to Facebook or YouTube, good to have you. want to make you welcome and invite you anytime you get the opportunity to... Uh, to come and, and join us here, we would be pleased to have you with us. And certainly, it's a privilege for me to share God's Word with you each and every time I have that blessing. Things are heating up around us, aren't they? Uh, not talking about the weather, either. Uh, I'm not going to go into any subject about mandates, uh, about uh, vaccinations, collapse of Afghanistan, all the, all the joyous stuff that we see on our, on our news, you know, that's, that's what they fill, fill us with each and every day that you watch the news. I recommend to you that you turn it off. Uh, uh, gas prices, food prices, they're going up. Uh, and I know I don't need to tell you about those things. But it's those things right there and what we subject ourselves to each day, whether we realize it or not, that has a great effect on what mental state we are in. And we need to, uh, uh, this morning's sermon title uh, is putting love and joy back in our lives. Because certainly love and joy has been snatched out of our lives over the past 18, 24 months. I think you would agree uh, with that. But uh, God makes some provisions in the scripture and gives us excellent examples through the writings of Paul on how that we can put that back in our lives and keep it there. And it's all a matter of what we're allowing to go into here. So I want to encourage you this morning uh, to take these words of Paul and take them to heart. Turn with me over to Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 and 23 is where we'll start our study this morning. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23 reads this. He says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And do you imagine where we lived in a world where those were the, were the main attributes of everybody walking around? I'll read that again. Just think about this. What if everybody had love, joy, peace, long-suffering or great patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, and self-control against such as there is no law? Could you imagine what a different place it would be? Because if you look back up in 19 and 21, and I don't have a, a slide on this, look at 19 through 21. This sounds much more familiar to the world that we live in today. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, reveling, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have told you also in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. 
But that describes the world we live in, doesn't it? That's what we see on the TV. That's what we hear if, you, if you're on the Internet and you get your news from the Internet. And if you listen to the radio, it's those things that are the works of the flesh that we're allowing to just infiltrate our minds. Well, you keep sending that stuff in, and naturally what's going to happen? You're going to be a depressed defeated individual. Not to mention when you add personal circumstances that go into that. So you have no choice. And you know what? It was, it occurred to me, you know, and I thought it was real neat. And I always like to see it happen like this. The song, I had nothing to do picking out the songs, but joy unspeakable. I want us to have joy and peace and love back in our lives. Of course, they didn't have peace there. But once we have the joy and the love there, peace comes. Peace comes automatically. But I'm afraid that for the past 24 months, we have allowed the situations that we found ourselves or circumstances that we have found ourselves in to bring us to the point to where that is lost and gone. And it's easy enough to do. And, and again, I realized that whenever I was sick. You'll probably get tired of hearing me in the next couple of months. You'll probably get tired of hearing me making references to those. But after I began to pray and the Lord opened my heart and my mind up, I realized there was a lot of things that I was doing, not necessarily by my own choice, but just because of the circumstances that was causing me to not have as much joy in my life as God, I believe, intends for all of us to have. And that's what... Paul is writing about how we're going to use Paul's example because he used these words to encourage all believers and to remind us of how that we have to grow as Christians and as we grow as Christians then naturally our love and joy will grow right along with that and Paul practiced what he preached and we'll see that look turn with me over to Philippians now and that's where we're going to stay is in Philippians chapter 4 you won't be turning no more scriptures today we're going to look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 is where we're going to start. Now he says, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Now rejoice means, if you look it up in the dictionary, it says to feel or show great joy or delight. So listen to what he says. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And we have to, we have to take a self-assessment to ourselves. Do I have great joy in the Lord? Well, Rob, there's so much going on in the world, it's hard to have joy about anything. Yes, that's what I'm getting at. Is if we allow the outside circumstances, the things that we are experiencing right now and have experienced, to dictate, and yeah, your joy is, is uh, in the gutter. But what about Paul? I mean, he had a real easy life when he came to Jesus, didn't he? He didn't ever have no trouble, no trials, no tribulations, did he? And if you agree with that statement, you need to go back and read about the beatings and the stonings and all of you getting run out of town and stripes and being shipwrecked and all sorts of things. He had troubles like we ain't never had troubles. But yet, what does he say to do? Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. And notice he said always. 
Always. That, he didn't say, and rejoice in the Lord unless something bad's going on around you. Rejoice in the Lord and, unless there's a pandemic hits. Rejoice in the Lord if sickness comes to your household. Always, always rejoice in the Lord. So he had joy. Uh, he was in prison when he wrote these letters. He enjoyed no freedoms, no privileges that we do. So that's what we have to understand. His health was failing him at this point. But yet he calls for us to rejoice. Encourage us to rejoice always. So he could find joy in the Lord regardless of his circumstances. And if you look in verse four, chapter 4, verse 5, next verse over, he goes on and says this, Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Or that's gracious and, and peace, that moderation. Let your graciousness be seen unto all men. Well, there's a lot of stuff going on that's not too gracious right now, isn't there? People talking about and doing and such, and I'm not, that's as far as it goes. But it wouldn't fit with what he's encouraging here in verse 5, would it? Our graciousness that we be at peace with each other. No, we find that the exact opposite right now. And we continue to see that. So he's encouraging us here to keep an eternal perspective on things. The Lord is at hand is what he's saying. And we realize, of course, I know, that we understand the Lord is at hand. And that means that he could come anytime or we could be called away at any time. That's what that means. The Lord is at hand. We're not promised the next minute of this day. We don't know if the Lord has appointed Jesus to return at uh, a quarter till 12 on August the 15th, 2021. And that's how we have to live our life. We have to rejoice in the Lord always, and we have to keep an eternal perspective on things, and we have to let people see our graciousness, our loving, our caring attitudes, regardless of the situation, because Christ could return at any time, or we could be called away. And if we're so wrapped up in how high gas is, or if we're so wrapped up in how much a gallon of milk's jumped in the past six months, we're not going to be able to do that, are we? And what do we find ourselves in, in our talk? What do we find ourselves engaged in? Do we engage ourselves in speech that talks about the situation that we live in, the situation in our state and our nation, the situation at the grocery store or the gas station? What if, and I'm not even going to make it real super hard, what if you spent 50% of that time that you were wrapped up in what's going on and talked about how gracious and loving God is to you. Already your life's going to be 50% better. You can't find no ad on TV that can promise you that, but I can. I can promise you, if you put more time on the Lord and less time on what's going on, you're going to have a better, happier life. That's what the Bible promises us. So keep that eternal perspective. We as Christians should be full of joy. Just for no other reason the work that God done through Jesus Christ. We celebrated that with the, with the loaf and the cup. That we have eternal life. Now, if you go back, now let me, let me give this warning, okay? If you go back and you look at Galatians, however we read at the beginning in verse 19 through 21, and you're engaged in those activities, okay, you need to get out of those activities. Any of that stuff. 
Christian, especially, non-Christian, those are the things that will lead you to the path of uh, eternal darkness, eternal separation. Get out of those activities. Rejoice in the Lord always. Keep an eternal perspective. And then look on in verse 6. Actually, verse 6 and 7. But Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Again, be careful for nothing, he says. Or anxious, I think a lot of translations use this word here. Don't be anxious about anything. Uh, you would be surprised the uptick in the doctor's visits for anxiety right now. And I'm not, by no means am I saying anything about that. But the things that's going on and the way that we wrap ourselves up into what's going on around us, who wouldn't be anxious? Who wouldn't be? If you didn't rejoice in the Lord always, if you didn't have an eternal perspective, and if you didn't do as Paul here is saying, to be thankful for everything and do not worry. I'm supposed to be thankful for high gas prices? No. But if you're at a gas pump complaining about gas prices, guess what? You've got enough money to put gas in your tank. That's something to be thankful for, ain't it? That's, it's a, the perspective is what we have to. I don't like paying what we have to pay for anything that's high like that. I don't like what's going on around us, but I'm not going to allow those things to dictate my joy. No more. I did. But it's not happening no more. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. It takes work. I don't want you to think. I'm like, Paul, I have not reached. And though I stretch forth, I'm, I'm trying to achieve. I've not reached it yet. But you know what? I'm working harder now than I've ever worked to do what Paul is saying here. It takes a conscious effort to do these things. Because you've got an adversary, remember? He's walking about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. That's how he devours us. He devours us with all this anxiety, all these things going on around us, and he keeps us from focusing on the things that Paul's here telling us to do. So you have to set your mind, as it says on my business card, set your minds on things above, not on things of the earth. Colossians 3, 2. You have to set your mind that I am going to do what Paul says. I am not going to allow this to happen to me. I am going to take my joy back. And you know what? When you do that, and when you start making that effort, your mind is freed. Freed. Now, I'm not saying that, that I don't have to go back and, and, and revisit and start kind of, well, you did something you shouldn't have done there. You're allowing anger, you're allowing anxiety, you're allowing distress to work back in your life. Kick it out and go on. Because so many times we get in a habit of living in a world of anxiety. It's our comfort zone. We get so used to being upset. We get so used to being angry. We get so used to being stressed and tensed out that we don't know any other way to live until somebody says, Stop. That's what Paul's doing here. He's saying, stop. Stop doing that. Rejoice in the Lord always. Have that eternal perspective. Let people see 
your, your graciousness. Be thankful and do not worry. Joy comes from us being thankful. Prayer. Pray, pray, pray. Remember, I recommended 10 days of prayer for each and every one of you. Do nothing but pray. I still recommend it. Because here's why. Look at verse 7. What happens? And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus or Christ Jesus. That's what happens when you rejoice in the Lord always. That's what happens when you keep an eternal perspective. That's what happens when you allow people to see your, your graciousness, your peace, and your love. And that's what happens when we, in prayer, go to prayer in God, we get peace. We get peace. We just forget to do these things sometimes. So this, <laughs> this is what we need in our lives. The love and the joy. Dwell on the positive. Look at verse 8. And I want, if you don't have this marked, and if you don't have Philippians 4, 8 marked in your Bibles, mark them right now. If you don't have a pen, make sure you figure out some way to mark it when you get home. Mark it so you can go back to it and read it and read it and read it. Because I want to tell you something. This right here is a guide for us in everything that we say, everything that we think, everything that we do. And when we use these words as a guide, we're going to find out that that love and joy and peace is going to come a whole lot easier. Listen to what he says. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. What a concept. That's, you'd have to turn the news off, wouldn't you? Because you will not find that in the news anywhere. Well, I won't say anywhere. You would have to probably search hard to find stuff like that. Now think about, think about this. What if, and I challenge you for this week, this is my challenge out to you. Before you say, before you think, or before you do, check it off on the checklist. Is it true? Is it honest? Is it just? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it a good report? Is there any virtue? Is there any praise? To this and if you answer no to any of the above don't do it move on use that as your guide because whenever you kick the things that are opposite of that out of your life you're inviting that into your life and that's what's going to guide you and that's going to be the source of your joy which is what Paul's saying because he said finally you know he'd give us all this other list of things but finally this last thing do do dwell on the positive 11 and 13 rely on Christ over our circumstances not that I speak in respect of want for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content you know if that is so much of people's problems today we're not content we're not content I know both how to be a base and I know how to be a band 
Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to be a man and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Now, we use that verse a lot, don't we? A lot of people use it. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. But we don't say, we don't go back and we don't look at 11 and 12. We, we, we say, oh, God will strengthen me through this, but we forget what he said before this. We forget that Paul was up and Paul was down. Paul had good times, Paul had bad times. He was hungry. And he was full. He had, he had good health. He had bad health. And that's what he's saying through all of those circumstances, whether it be high on the mountain or deep in the valley, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that's what we have to remember. And not just remember, not just a, a verse that we quote. We have to be convinced of that and use that to go back Rejoice in the Lord always. Keep our eternal perspective. Allow people to see their graciousness in our lives. See us praying and not worrying. Thinking on the things that are good and pure, of good report, and have virtue. That's what all of these saying. That's the getting to all. That's the point he's getting to. Sure, it's not going to be easy. Sometimes it'll be easier than others. Sometimes it'll be more difficult than others. But you have to rely on Jesus Christ despite the circumstances. And if you do that, your joy will not be stripped from your life. And once you have joy back in your life, once it's there, comes the love. There's what comes the love. And most of us would consider us ourselves probably loving people, right? Loving people, we're Christians. We find it easy to love those. Uh, it's easy to love everybody in this room, ain't it? What about those that uh, are out out there in the world that's that's downing you over a personal decision? What about a grumpy boss or somebody rude at the store or somebody rude out on the road? It's harder to love them, isn't it? It's actually a little easier to get mad and upset with them, isn't it? Than it is to. It's a lot easier to get mad. A lot easier to get upset. A lot easier to think something you shouldn't be thinking and maybe even mouth something you shouldn't be mouthing than it is to think about loving that person, showing them graciousness instead of doing what the world would do. A lot easier. Love. I told you you didn't have to turn the page. I was wrong. I forgot all about Corinthians. <laughs> First Corinthians 13. This is the last time you have to turn. Paul writes here about love, very popular scripture. I've read this in many, many weddings. Uh, very popular scripture for that. Good, good scripture. There's a couple things he does here in verses 4 through verse 8. He tells us what love is not, and he tells us what love is. So we have to remember that. Because love is not some things as much as it is some things. Charity suffereth long, verse 4, and is kind, but love doesn't envy. Love just doesn't vaunteth not itself or lift itself, not arrogant. It's not puffed up. 
It doesn't behave itself unseemingly. Seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, and thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. Now we're getting into the, that's where he stops and begins to tell what love is. But that list of things there is things that, that should never describe us when we're talking about love. Arrogance. Rejoicing in iniquity, you know what that means? Talking about being happy for sin. Happy maybe even for somebody's downfall. Somebody's calamity. They got their just desserts. That's what the world would say. He got what he was coming to him. Coming to him. I mean, sometimes, I'll admit it, I'm a human being too. Sometimes it feels good to see justice dispensed. But you know what? Justice is up to God to dispense, not me. And eternal justice, where you're eternally separated or eternally present with the Lord, that's ultimately the thing that we're talking about here. Ultimately. So what love's not? Not envy, don't self-promote, rudeness, anger, revenge, love of the world, things that choke out love. We as Christians cannot allow these things to control our life. They can't even be in the, in the conversation if you're a Christian. Can't even be in the conversation those things in 4 through 6. Because they're contrary to the Holy Spirit. They're contrary to the example that Christ left for us to follow. You cannot allow them to guide your lives. That's just plain and simple. Plain and simple. And here's another thing. I don't want to hurt nobody's feelings, but if that's the things that define you, that guide your life, ain't nobody wants to be around you. Nobody wants to be around somebody that fits that description. Period. Not unless they have to, not unless they're like paid to, <laughs> to be around you, you know, because they're an employee or something. They hinder love, these things do, and cannot be part of a Christian's life. Unlike our last point, these are the things that we better find in our lives. Verses 7 and 8. Love, again, we're talking about here. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. I'll go on and read, but that's where he, where he stops about talking about love. He said, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall all vanish away. Love never fails. Now, you think about that on both sides of the coin. You think about that on both sides of the coin. That's a big responsibility. We have to be really concentrated on fulfilling the, that what he says there. Look at that again. Because that's tough. That takes more intentional effort. Bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, endure all things. Charity never fails. That's tough to do. But you know what is even a greater responsibility? Think about the responsibility that you have to the person that is showing you that kind of love and you betray that because they're putting it all out there. 
It's all out there for you. Love. Love that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love that never fails. That's somebody opening themselves up completely to you. And you have a great responsibility to not betray that. Now, that works in twofold. Who, who's the best prime example for the description of love that, that Paul writes to the church at Corinth there? Jesus. So as Christians, we can't betray his love because it's laid out there. He's put everything on the line for us. Now, what about your family, your friend, your spouses, your children? If they're loving you and they're doing their best, they're Christians and they're doing their best to follow what the example that Christ gave us and you betray that, that's a bad thing, folks. It needs to be repaired. It needs re Actually, repentance is what needs to be done. Forgiveness being asked for what needs to be done. Because I refer you back to Galatians where we started off that list of things that you don't want it, that you can't even have in a conversation if you're a Christian. If you've engaged in any of that list, you can't be doing what Paul is talking about, laying it out on the line kind of love. And you may very well have betrayed somebody that is. And that's why joy is so important for the Christian. <laughs> you see what I'm getting at? If we don't allow ourselves to be filled with the joy of the Lord, then how can we ever expect to have love like the Lord? Because they got to go together. Joy, love, and peace. Remember that peace that passeth all understanding? It all is part of the same thing, the same equation. And that's what Paul's encouraging us about today. And that's what I'm encouraging you to do today and those that are watching to do today. Is take the words of Paul seriously. Make an intentional effort to not allow the things of this world to drive the joy out of your life. Use the steps that Paul has outlined that we've covered today. Use those steps to put joy and love back in your life. Use that guide in Philippians 4.8 to say, okay, am I engaging in this? Here's my checkoff list. And if you're not, if you, if you engage in things that are contrary to that list, just be aware of you're engaging in things of the world and could be in danger of the list in Galatians that we went over. I'm, I don't want people to be walking around anxious, upset, on the verge of anger all the time. That is no way to live. That is no way to live, folks. And let me tell you this morning, God never intended you to live a life like that. Ever. Satan does. He wants you to live a life like that. God doesn't. That's why we have these instructions. That's why I'm encouraging you today to be aware of it. Make that concerted effort to change because it will change. It will. Trust me, if you put forth the effort, if you put forth the prayer, and if you have the determination that you're going to say, get thee behind me, Satan, 
you can be successful at that. So that's my encouragement to you. Now, I know it's difficult to show love to people when they don't want your love. But who found themselves in the same exact situation? Christ did, didn't he? He wanted to show his love to people that hated him. Just as we studied on Wednesday night, the, this past couple of weeks, a week before last, Judas, one of his very own, betrayed that love and sold him out for a little money. And not only sold him out for a little bit of money, he was part of the plan. I'll help you. But all Jesus wanted to do was show people love. Let them find their joy so that they could have the peace of God. Ask yourself this morning. Facebook, YouTube, sitting in this room. Do I have the joy in my life that Paul wrote about. Don't be embarrassed when you answer yourself, but be certainly be honest. If you say no, we have the way to fix that, to remedy that in God's Word. I hope I've been adequate in, in laying it out so that you can understand how you can use the power of God's Word, the power of the Holy Spirit, to make a change in your life where we can walk around a happier people. Now, if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can't answer that question yes. You can't answer that you have the joy of the Lord in your heart if you don't have Jesus Christ as your Savior. It's just that simple. Hearing the Word, believing that Jesus is the Son, He's the Savior, He's the only path to heaven. Repenting of your sin, confessing Christ as Savior, being buried with him in baptism, buried, being immersed, raised at new creation, having received the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit, and as I said last week, letting our lights shine so before men in love, in joy, and in peace like we've outlined today. Now maybe you are a Christian, but you realize, you know what, oh my gosh, it's a V8 moment. One of them slap your head things. That's what I'm missing. And I didn't realize it is right in front of my eyes. I hope, like I said, I hope I've been adequate enough to point the way. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation, number 51, the first and the third verse, Lord, I'm coming home. If you have a decision to make today, let me encourage you to come. Come forward today. Don't wait not one more minute, not one more day, not one more second. But come to him. Number 51 as we stand and sing. Oh.